Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homie. I'm your host, and you are in the right place if you are a business creator. Our audience tend to fall into four categories. We have entrepreneurs, small business owners, and local business owners. We have marketing and business coaches. We have folks who help others build their businesses and win at the game of marketing. And we have do-it-yourselfers who run your own businesses. If you are one or more of the above, explore our episodes and discover how our experts can help you win at business at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also, be sure to check us out on iTunes. Just do a search for Business Creators Radio Show, subscribe, and every five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps us spread the message. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about a very unique topic that really comes to the heart of what it means to be an entrepreneur and what it means to be a business creator, which is how mindset and emotion drive your marketing success. So you're on the path to success and your marketing and business growth strategy seem to be working out for you, but are you feeling successful? How do you know for sure you're actually on the right path? I'm especially honored today to have Dina Proctor, who's the author of Madly Chasing Peace, How I Went from Hell to Happy in Nine Minutes a Day, as our guest. Now, as we'll talk about in the episode here, I met Dina at a seminar two years ago. Actually, it was two and a half years ago, and it was James Malinchak's Millionaire Secrets Revealed. And I've avidly and excitedly watched as she's developed her brand and shared her powerful message with the world. And just to tell you a little bit about Dina, for those of you who may not know who she is or may have heard of her but don't know the whole story, Dina is a mind-body connection coach, speaker, and best-selling author of the book called Madly Chasing Peace, How We Went from Hell to Happy in Nine Minutes a Day. Dina has taken her journey from hitting an emotional rock bottom through struggling with addictions, food issues, and depression, to having now found a consistent happiness little known to most people and turned it into a simple, practical method for others to change their own lives. Quite by accident, she discovered what she calls three-by-three meditation. I believe I'm saying that right, three minutes, three times a day, which has been the catalyst for her own and now her client's transformation. From weight loss and banishing addictive cravings to reconstructing relationships, This easy and effective method has caught the attention and support of Jack Canfield and Bruce Lipton, Ph.D., among others, and the media. Dina's raw and real ability to share herself and her story so openly, along with the power of her three-by-threes, has enabled countless others to begin on the path to wellness in their own lives. You can find out more at www.madlychasingpeace.com. So, Dina, can you live up to that? I can totally live up to that. <laughs> All right. I love your I love your enthusiasm. When we were chatting before we be, began the episode here, I was just reminded of some of our conversations we had at James Malinchak's event two and a half years ago, and a lot of things just sort of came back to life. I remember that we were in a much different time back then, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But before we dive in, you know, let's take a step back and give our listeners a chance just to get to know you a bit. I know I read off that very nice bio statement there, but just tell us a little bit about your background and what brought you to where you are today as a mind-body connection coach. I keep saying coach, and it's coach. See, I can make mistakes too. <laughs> and just sort of tell us in your own words your story so people can get a sense of you. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, Adam, thank you for having me here. I'm really excited to share this time and space with you. So um, I really appreciate the invitation. <laughs> it's exciting. Oh, you're welcome. Right 
Yeah. And so just a little bit about me. I'll um I'll share kind of just an overview of my journey because my, you know, the subtitle to my book is Health Happy in 9 Minutes a Day. And to a lot of people right. that sounds kind of like, you know, 4-minute abs. You know, is this really kind of realistic? <laughs> Well, for me, in my own life, um, just about five years ago was when I hit my lowest rock bottom. Um, I was horribly addicted to alcohol. I think I had constant alcohol in my bloodstream for two or three years straight. And um, right. I, was in a, I was in horrible depression. I'd been in and out of depression for 10 or 12 years. And I reached the point where I had literally planned a day to take my own life because I was just so unhappy and felt I had tried everything to try and fix myself. I couldn't live with who I was becoming. You know, I was just morally okay. selling out, and I, I just couldn't live with myself anymore. Well, the my turning point, my rock-bottom point was that decision, like, am I going to live or am I going to die? And I ended up spending a year in an addiction recovery program. And the highlight or the main important component to my healing was the woman who coached me through the program told me that I needed to learn to meditate. And I I remember looking at her like, <laughs> um, what does that even mean? Like, how is that even a solution to anything? That sounds ridiculous, you know? And, um, but since I, I was out of my own answers, I decided to take hers on and just try it and see what it could do because I tried everything else. So um, her instruction to me was to sit still for every morning for 20 minutes and just focus on my breathing. But when I tried to do that, I couldn't physically you know i was going through withdrawal physically from the alcohol addiction my negative thoughts were ridiculously consuming i couldn't sit still for longer than three minutes at a time just you know physically and emotionally so but because she told me to do it for 20 minutes i would sit for three minutes you know in the morning a couple hours later i could find that i could sit for three more minutes a couple hours later i could find that i could sit for three more minutes so by the end of the day i could call her and say you know i did it i did the 20 minutes And that has eventually evolved into what I call three-by-three meditation. It's three minutes, three times a day. And, of course, your show is geared towards businesses, and I have my own business now and have written my own book, and I have my own coaching and speaking business and everything. So, you know, as the show goes on, I'll talk about how we incorporate mindset and meditation because at first blush it might look like that doesn't really relate. You know, why does my mindset, why does meditation have anything to do with how I'm putting my food on the table? (laughs) So we'll kind of get into that. But that's just an overview where I've come from and how I've created what I created. Well, the reason we had you on this show is because these topics are very much related to how you put food on the table, how you grow your business, and how you get clients. Because if you're not in the right place and you're not doing things for the right reasons, you're really just not going to succeed and you're going to be very miserable doing it and you're going to basically fail. And I really don't want to see people fail. And I know this is a very powerful topic because pretty much everybody I know, including myself, has been in a place where we weren't sure about our passion, we weren't sure if we were doing the right thing, and even though we have supposedly taken on our own businesses and we've taken on our own destiny, it's like, wow, this really kind of sucks. And we really don't want to be there because that can really mess up the marketing. Now, here at the Business Creators Video Show, we provide the tools, techniques, and strategies to help entrepreneurs quickly grow their businesses. And a lot of our listeners tell me they have everything except time and money to do what they need to do. Now, do you see this as an issue for your clients and customers, maybe even for yourself in some way? 
Oh, absolutely. Because, and especially because a lot of um, people who are growing a coaching business are, you know, feel-good people on the inside, and they don't want to be about the money. They want to be more about the service and the giving, and I struggled with that big time when I started. I felt guilty. Oh, my gosh, I don't want to charge money for helping people. These people need my help, you know, and there's a lot of issues that you need to kind of, that I needed to, I know, process to get to the point where I felt comfortable, like I'm giving something of value to people and it's okay to exchange money because of that. Money is just an energy. It's like a means to an end rather than an entity that has this meaning or good or bad or guilt or, you know, whatever that we, that we kind of ascribe to it. So um, coming to terms with your understanding and comfortability with money and your own, own understanding of how money works is a gigantic factor in the success that you're going to be able to create. Because in our own mindset and mentality and beliefs about money, we could be subconsciously sabotaging ourselves from allowing, you know, even just to make a comfortable living, let alone coming into our world. So it starts with mindset first, and that's where, you know, like meditation, that kind of work comes in. Yeah, as I like to say all the time, if you want to be successful in business, even successful in life in general, you have to learn to love money. Uh, we hear so many messages of, well, if there's a choice between money and love, what I really want is love. And my question is, why can't you have both? Mm-hmm. Exactly right. I mean, I mean, exactly I mean yeah, right. yeah. You watch you watch out on TV all the time where uh, you have the romantic uh, comedy movies and such, where you have the big time corporate executive, and what he really wants is just to spend life with his woman in a one bedroom shack somewhere. And my question is, why can't they have the success and the love? There's really no reason why you can't. And I personally do not believe that money can buy happiness because I've tried it; it doesn't work. But what money does do <laughs> is it helps to take care of a lot of those problems that get in the way of happiness. And if you get a sense of that and you make that part of how you approach life, you can find you can be a lot more successful just in everything you do because, I mean, the money itself doesn't buy the happiness, but it solves a lot of those problems, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. When you're, when you're seeing it just as an exchange and you don't put a superfluous meaning on it, you know, like I tell people when you're thinking about why do you want money, why do you want a certain amount of money by a certain date, you don't necessarily want it just so you can look at this number in your bank account. We want money because we want to use it for something. We want to buy, buy you know, a nice home to live in. So our goal isn't to just have a lot of money just to have money. It's, money isn't the goal. It's like the airplane to get to the, the island we want to be on. It's the avenue. It's the, it's the uh, you know, kind of journey that we take or what we need in order to get what we really want. And so you can, a lot of times you can lower your resistance to money when you start remembering that all it's doing is enabling you to get to what you actually want. What you actually want might be to have money to contribute to somebody who has less than you, to buy something for someone that you love, to buy a beautiful home that you can live in with your partner and your family and entertain in so that you can have happiness there. It's all about what we really want to create with the money rather than about the money itself. Right. The money itself is not a goal. The money is a tool. And if you begin to look at it that way, then it becomes a much more powerful agent for change to help you get what you want. Mm-hmm. And it can help you really lower your resistance to it because instead of thinking, oh, my gosh, I need to have you know, $50,000 by March 30th and I need to have $50,000, that has a lot of tension to it and a lot of anxiety around it. And there's probably thoughts that you're having that are positive about it and then these little thoughts that come in at the end like you're never really going to get that or that's totally unrealistic or you're so greedy and selfish. You know, like we have a positive thought, but when it gets canceled out by a negative thought, I've heard it called a tail ender, like these little tail enders that kind of yeah. cancel out. 
the positive, that's where we sabotage ourselves. But it works a lot better, I've found for myself and the people that I've worked with, when you think about why do you want this? Because I want to have a beautiful dream home and I can create a haven for friends and family to come stay for holidays or whatever. Then you get into this really good feeling space of what you want to be creating. And you don't usually have a tail ender to those kind of thoughts. It's just positive and good and more relaxed and expanded. You can even feel the difference in your body when you think about that as a goal rather than this tension and anxiety that you might have if you just picture the number in the bank account as a goal. You see what I you see what I'm trying to where I'm where I'm going with this? <laughs> oh, I I, I I understand perfectly. Believe me, yeah. I do. And I we could probably spend an entire hour just on the topic of the hundred thousand messages we're given as we grow up and even as adults about how money is evil. And I like to think that these are messages meant to level us and stop us from succeeding, to cause us to conform. All those messages about go to school, get good grades, study, get a job. Now that all sounds like sound advice for being successful and being comfortable and being happy in the world. But there's an undercurrent to it that in many cases can be kind of ugly if it's not presented the right way. And we'll explore that more in a little bit. But I want to just sort of change gears a little bit. This is the Business Creators Radio Show, and I love to hear stories about how people create their businesses, create their dreams, and make things happen. And I remember when you and I first met. This was it was either May or June or 2011. I cannot remember which. And it was the James Malinchak's Millionaire Secrets Revealed event. It's, it's the event he put on right after he was on ABC's Secret Millionaire. And if memory serves, correct me if I'm wrong, if memory serves, this is just around the time that you came up with the idea for Madly Chasing Peace. And that was almost three years ago. So I'm curious to hear just a little bit about what you did and what happened to get the book launched, get things up and running, and create your very prosperous, successful business you have now. Oh, yeah. No, this is great. And it's funny because when I went to that workshop, I felt that at that time, you know, two and a half years ago or whenever it was, I felt like a fish out of water. I had gotten a free ticket. I didn't even really know what any of this was about. I had never networked before. I was completely intimidated. I didn't even have business cards. Like, I was still working in my yeah. day job. You know what I mean? I was just like, yeah. what? Six months prior to when you and I had met, this is about three years ago now, about three years ago now, um, I had just finished taking a writing class, which I took for fun. I never thought it would go anywhere. I just kind of took the six-week writing class for fun. And I ended up going to a Jack Canfield, the chicken soup for the soul you know, guy, one of his workshops. And I'd never really done anything like that before, but I saw it. It came across my email, and I thought, you know what? That sounds great. That guy sounds awesome. I didn't even really know why I was going, but just intuitively it felt right to go. And I had brought some of my writing samples more to just share – um, you know, my message or the my story type of thing because I started writing about my story and my healing and three by three and all of that. Um, and I brought that to, I don't even, I didn't even know if I was going to get to share it with him, but I did. I ended up asking him, hey, would you read a little bit of what I wrote? And he read it and said, listen, I think your writing is raw, compelling, inspiring. I think this could go really far. I would love to see you turn this into a book. And have you ever thought about being a coach? And when he asked me those questions, like part of me that I didn't even know could sweat were sweating. You know what I, mean? I was just like <laughs> a puddle. I couldn't. I was so just 
in awe of what was going on. And I, it was like he was holding a bigger dream and a bigger vision for me than I had even dreamed for myself. So, you know, right. I was still in my day job. I was thinking, oh, my gosh, I can't write a book. Like, yeah, I've written a couple little blog things that I've shared with, like, five or six people, but I don't think I have the discipline to write a book. I think coaching is kind of a shady profession. You don't need a degree. You know, like, I just was not up to speed with anything he was he was suggesting to me. But he put – he believed in me and put me in contact with people who helped me get, you know, an editor, a, a person who was a business coach for me for a couple of months to just talk to me about coaching, you know, becoming a coach, that sort of thing. And um, it was just two years ago that I was able to quit my day job. And I just decided, you know what, I want to take a year off from working if, and I want to just devote my time to writing. I'd had some money saved up, and I said I just want to travel a little bit and devote myself to writing. If nothing happens with the writing a year from now, I'll go back to work and just forget this year never happened. But if something happens, I'll just move forward. So I didn't come from a place of, like, extreme clarity or, you know, oodles of training or anything like that. It was like I just had right. a story and a message and a method that could help and uplift people, you know. So um, that's where I really kind of went with it. And I would just spend my time in meditations and just say, like, I'm open to being of service to people. And it doesn't mean I'm a martyr and it doesn't mean that I'm, you know, kind of not supporting myself or living abundantly. What I mean by being of service to people is providing light inspiration space and hope for other people to, you know, gravitate to that and be able to take tools into their own lives to improve their own lives in exchange for money. So I'm not saying, you know, I became the smarter and <laughs> that sort of thing to be a right. But it's really, as you know, Adam, being in, in a profession where you're interacting with clients and no matter what you're doing, you could be a financial advisor, you could be an accountant, you could be an electrician, and you're being of service and improving people's lives and doing this. And when you're really in alignment and good at what you do and you bring a passion and an energy to whatever your work is, it has this like deeply satisfying and fulfilling quality to it that I never even knew was possible. Like I was like moderately happy you know I wasn't unhappy in my day job I was an executive assistant you know I worked for good people they took care of me and I you know sure. nine to five it was very comfortable and forever I never thought I would be anything outside of that because it was comfortable but when I experienced the level of fulfillment that I could get by following something I was passionate about it was like not even a question and so I ended up getting the book done Jack Canfield's people <clears throat> were in were you know in touch with me every step of the way he would check in with me and see how I was doing um, and I launched the book I got some training on how to promote it a little bit and it became number one in its category on Amazon the day that it launched and that was that was last January that was almost a year ago and I remember there yeah <laughs> And just from there, I started, because once you, I don't think you have to start with a book, but just because I did, I noticed that that was how I put, you know, that was where I put my mark. You know, it was like, okay, I'm on the map now. I'm a coach now. I'm out there with my story now. I'm not no longer an executive assistant anymore. And that's when I started to get attention. International people would, you know, people from different countries, countries I've never been to, and, you know, writing to me and saying, hey, are you going to get it translated in this language? Or, hey, could you be, can I interview you for this? Or, hey, could you be a guest on this? Hey, I'm having an event. Can you give us some of your books? It was so inspiring. It was just absolutely amazing to see when I put myself out there it, with the book. You know, the book was a symbolic image, you know, the symbolism of me putting myself and my message out into the world the way that people responded to that. So that's really how how it 
you know, came about. It was just kind of step by step. I didn't go in with an extremely clear, but I did have support. I did have people who believed in me. And so I would say getting someone to coach you who believes in you that you can talk to and really get the skills that you need, especially if you're like me. I didn't even know. My poor editor, Adam, she was like, okay, the punctuation goes outside the, or, you know, the uh, parentheses, <laughs> the quotes go outside the punctuation. I had no idea how to grammar wise anything but I got I had the resources to be able to get people to help me through this and of course my meditation practice kept me steady through the whole entire process but you know that was it was largely intuitive how I built that business and I just knew as I released barriers inside of myself barriers and subconscious beliefs that were holding me back money wise or believing that I was a powerful enough person to be able to impact others or that I was even deserving of, you know, having this presence to be able to, you know, I had to, I struggled with a lot of my inner stuff in being able to be, you know, to put myself out there to help other people in the world. So as I would have internal breakthroughs and I'm still going through it now as I have more and more internal breakthroughs, I see more and more breakthroughs in my business. So I feel like my business is a reflection of what's going on in my kind of, inner life like everything on the outside is you know I understand that completely and I have been there before and I think pretty much everybody I know has been there before even with a couple of my major clients uh, I noticed that they were starting to have some challenges with their marketing and one of the themes I saw and this was happening with two of my clients was it felt like I was pulling their wagon in terms of the things they need to do with things like product launches and what they were doing with their social media strategies and things like that. And finally, in both cases, I simply asked, do you really want to be here? Uh, one of them just kind of need, recognized they just kind of needed the kick in the pants to remind themselves what was so important about what they were doing in business. And the other thought about it and realized, no, I really am not sure that this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. I've been thinking for some time that perhaps I need to transition. And now they're very excited because they're in the process of launching a new business, which we're very happy to be very deeply involved in. And I mean, I'm just seeing the passion with this one client coming back that I used to see when I first started working with them seven years ago, but it's like amplified again. They're, they're alive again. It, sometimes it's just, I, there was this book out called The Passion Test, and I think that's kind of what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, let's get into the core topic of today's program. Many of our listeners, as I just alluded to, tell me that they've struggled with a lack of passion and energy for their businesses. Like, it's something they just, they can't get excited about. Like, they're going through the motions. Now, what do you think causes this? Well, that's such a good question. I think it can be a couple of different things. Of course, it's different for everybody, but if I had to paint some broad strokes about that, I know that for me and for people that I've interacted with, sometimes it's because what you're doing is not an exact match for what your passion is. So it could be something you're just doing to pay the bills or, you know, like when I was in my administrative job, that it wasn't unpleasant. There wasn't wasn't anything bad about it, but it also wasn't something that was as deeply fulfilling as what I'm doing now. And I believe you can be deeply fulfilled doing anything. It doesn't have to be coaching and, you know, interacting with and literally helping others quote unquote. It can be, like I said, like an electrician or a woodworker or, you know, whatever. As long as you're really doing what you love, that will be 
um, something that inspires and uplifts people, whether it's artwork that you're painting, people that you never meet can be inspired or their lives made easier by something that you're putting together. So first of all, it's about identifying your passion. And I, I think that every single, I really believe that for every single person on this planet, there is a passion, a career, something, a hobby, something that they can do and be paid well for that they feel passionate and uplifted by. And for me, I didn't know what that was until just two and a half, three years ago. Like, I had no clue. If you would have told me four years ago, oh, you're going to write a book and quit your day job, I never would have believed you. I always say I'm living a dream I didn't even know that I had. Like, this was not even anywhere near my radar that I'd be doing this stuff. So it doesn't have to be, you know, for, for people who aren't sure what their passion is, I think that's totally okay to be there. It's just... Open your mind and get curious. What do I enjoy? If I could take a night class and learn something, what would it be? Would it be, you know, dancing? Would it be singing? Would it be art? Would it be, you know, um, taking another language or maybe a cooking class, something like that? Because as you explore your passions, like what I did, I took a writing class. It was a six-week writing class that turned into a book that became a bestseller. I had no intention of ever writing a book when I signed up for that class. But when you follow these nudges of what lights you up and keeps you alive, you never know who you're going to meet through that. You don't know the opportunities of it. You might end up taking a swimming class, and the person that you meet there, you know, needs to organize their whole entire house, and you're like, oh, I'm really good at organizing, and then you become this organizing person. So at first blush, what makes you feel passionate, like a swimming class not related to another, you know, kind of opportunity down the road, it's following that passion and just seeing where it leads and not being attached to it leading in any particular place because then you're open, relaxed, and curious, and you're able to see these opportunities. So I would say the first broad stroke is that, is being curious about what your passion is if you're not sure what your passion is. I think the other thing that um, stops people is a lack of belief in themselves in being able to do this. You know, if you know what you're passionate about, if you're passionate about you know, singing, but you watch all these American Idol shows and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I could never do that. Singing's not for me and all of these things. Like we get intimidated when we look too much or start comparing ourselves to the outside and in in these like extreme examples and that sort of thing. But when you really just stick to what you're passionate about and become in the same way you become curious about what you're passionate about, even if you know what you're passionate about and you have no idea how this could become a moneymaker for you or something where you're helping people or exchanging and supporting yourself in doing this is keeping an open mind about it and being curious to opportunities. At first it could be something that you do on the side, like say that you love singing. Maybe you start teaching kids, you know, how to sing or whatever. You have this side business that could evolve into something else. It's like just take even a small step to be able to bring that passion even more into your life. And if you're able to make it into a, a, um, a profitable business, even if it's small, that will give you the belief and confidence to be able to take it one step further. I agree entirely, and I think that you hit on some very important points. Like, what is it that you really want to do? And I, and another thing that I heard in there is a little bit about what is your vision for the future? What can you see yourself doing? Now, I mean, if we were rewound me to 2005, when I had basically the same situation, I had a job that was okay, and I was kind of on the fence. Do I really want to go full-time with my part-time entrepreneurial venture, or what do I want to do? And 
then a series of events, which are outside the scope of this interview, ultimately came together to tell me that going the entrepreneurial route was really where, where I wanted to go. But if you went back to 2005, I couldn't have imagined uh, moving to another time zone. I couldn't have imagined falling in love and having a girlfriend, which you know I, I have that now. I couldn't imagine living in a in a condo in a warm climate with. Uh, two little kittens wrestling in the background. I couldn't have imagined that either. <laughs> I couldn't have imagined that some of my best friends are top 40 musicians. I couldn't, couldn't have imagined a lot of these things, but it all happened. So some of it was by design. Some of it was by accident, but all the same, it happened. Now, and what you told me about, now what you told me about this thing about passion and everything, it is kind of like you could have read a page from my diary back in 2010. Now, back in 2010, I felt anything but successful. And ironically, that's the point when my business was bringing in more revenue, we had more clients and all that other stuff than at any other time in all the years that I've owned a business. I've been an entrepreneur, but I felt anything but successful. And how did I solve it is I simply stopped taking on web design projects because I realized that I wanted to do web design about as much as I wanted to perform a lobotomy on myself. Uh, contrary <laughs> to public belief, I've never designed a website in my life. I've written copy. I've figured out how to fix them. That's something that I do. I figure out how to make them work. But as far as the actual design stuff, I can't draw a roller with a straight line. I can't even say that phrase right. Uh, as far as any web design <laughs> I've ever done, it's because I have designers that I work with. I, I'm not an artist. I, I can't draw. I can't even sign my name clearly. So my signature <laughs> is this unintelligible chicken scratch because I can't even form the letters. I mean, that's how, that's how bad I am as far as being artistic. So I know how this is. And uh, I, I find found things that I really enjoyed doing a lot more, and that kind of raised the passion level somewhat. Now, in your experience, how can one find their right path or get back on the right path or find themselves recapturing that feeling of being successful? That's such a great question. And, because, and you're making a really good point, especially with your example, because you could have a profitable profitable business of something that you're good at, but you're not necessarily passionate about. Like I was good at being an administrative assistant. I was great at keeping track of everybody's calendars and making sure everybody was, you know, had what they needed for their appointments for the day and all of that kind of stuff. But that doesn't necessarily mean that because I have a talent for it, that that's my innermost desire and passion and path to fulfillment. So that's a really good distinction because when, when you have that, when you know what, and it could be more than one thing. You know, I know lawyers, top-notch corporate lawyers who are amazing piano players, you know, so you yes. can have more than one thing that's going on here. It's just finding, you know, what's right for you. I think I'm getting off topic. What was your question again? I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, are you are you serious? Do you want me to read it again? Um, I did. Well, I think I'm getting a little bit off topic. Yeah, just bring me back around if you wouldn't mind. Okay. And you're I get spirit. so excited, I just go on a tangent. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's okay. And that's what I like about the radio show, show format as well. I mean, I host plenty of teleseminars and webinars. I'm in so many environments where the goal is to move people to another level of investment. So that's another reason why I really love doing the radio shows. Uh, you know, we can just create some great content. And I don't have any big – 
wow moment where I need to convert you into a $597 course. That just doesn't exist here. So it's great that we can just create this awesome content. <laughs> so it's okay if you go off on tangents a little bit. I kind of expect <laughs> it, and it kind of makes these shows more exciting. You should see the Google Hangouts I do every Friday. I mean, there's a topic assigned to the Hangout, and you're lucky if we spend 20 minutes on it because my partner and I in the Hangouts just get so excited about this stuff. So let me restate the question. I love it. In your experience – how can one find their right path or get, pat, get back on the right path and find themselves recapturing that feeling of being successful if they found themselves in a situation where they're like, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Because I knew I wanted to talk about 3x3 three three here, but I, I couldn't remember why. So this is why. is because I've gotten all of the answers that I have needed through my mini meditation practice. And in the beginning, we were talking a little bit about um, – how, how on earth does meditation have anything to do with business? And I would say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer the question, and then I'm going to take it on another tangent of something very interesting. So the, the answer to the question is that I believe our innermost self, you know, like the, just the seat of our being, when we are really calm and in harmony with what we're doing and what's going on in our lives, all of the answers are there. And so whatever you can do, it might be a formal meditation practice, it might be, you know, taking yoga classes, whatever you can do to really quiet your mind, calm your mind, because the answers that are, you know, the best for our well-being and the big answers that we want in life are not found by making lists of pros and cons, are not found in the logical mind, in my experience. They're found... Oh, good. People, yeah. <laughs> I, no, oh, good. Oh, good. Work. I don't have to make lists anymore. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, and you know that it's found in that inner space of, you know, like your heart, what people call your heart. And that is where all of the answers to the passion are, what you want to create in your life, the how to get to where you are, the little bits of inspiration that have you go into a certain coffee shop instead of the one you usually go into, and you end up meeting someone who furthers your career. It's listening. It's the voice of your intuition that's always leading you. So I would say the answer to the question is to get in touch with your intuition and leave your mind out of it because that's where you'll find your answers. And the best way I found to do that is through having a meditation practice, but there are lots of other ways to do that. So whatever you can do to carve down to get in, into your intuition. And um, I also wanted to mention, just because we're on our little tangents today, is I um, have done this three-by-three three program like for businesses. I had last summer this guinea pig office and it was, it was, I found that when people were taking these little three minute breaks to refocus, recenter, re energize, or just de stress from whatever was going on, you know, from morning to afternoon or that sort of thing, when people were taking a couple of three minute breaks throughout the day, they were more focused, more productive. This office I worked with, their revenue went up 24%. And the most improved worker in that office, her personal revenue went up 52%. So it's directly proportional to the amount of revenue that you're generating, the results and success that you're having, the more calm, centered, and intuitive and present, really, in the moment that you are as you're going about your day and whatever you want to create for your life. So it can, you know, it definitely impacts the bottom line. But the solution for me is always getting quiet, put your mind to the side, get in touch with that intuitive voice, be as present as you can, and take it from there. Listen, listen, tune in internally and kind of take it from there. Right, right, right. And, again, I just want to say thank God that I don't have to do to-do lists anymore. 
because I hate <laughs> silly to-do lists. I love it. And, when, and every time I sat down with the notepad and trying to figure things out, it just doesn't work out. Uh, I'm, so, I'm sorry. It just doesn't work. I, I can't focus. Something distracts me, or I find I'm writing these pros and cons, and I'm thinking, really? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> really? It, it's, it's, like, it's like I'm trying to plan to be happy. No, I mean, no wonder – it doesn't work. Some of the greatest things that I've been most passionate about are things that have happened to me by accident. Uh, some of the opportunities I've had to meet people that I wasn't anticipating. Some of the cases where things just went a lot better than expected. And there's also been cases where things have just sort of fallen apart. And I looked at it and I thought, okay, I don't have to deal with that anymore. <laughs> and that's and that's sometimes and that's sometimes things that I thought were really important to me or be the end of the world if something ever changed with this. I mean, I've had, uh, yeah. I mean, I had, um, uh, you know, you'd think, you know, life was falling apart. I've had people who were in my life for years who then all of a sudden, uh, you know, didn't want to be in my life anymore, be in my business anymore. And for all those years, I thought I can't live without this person. And then suddenly everything changed, and I blinked and I thought, cool. I mean, it wasn't a, a value judgment or anything like that, but it's like, okay, so it was there before, now it's not here. So what do I do? So sometimes yeah. when it's brought upon us, uh, maybe we don't have to force ourselves to make the change all the time. Maybe we can allow change to happen. Maybe that's part of it too. So in Madly Chasing Peace, uh, Dina, you share how you went from hell to happy in just nine minutes a day. In fact, you've already told us a little bit about that. And I think I speak for – pretty much all of our listeners, and I speak for myself, too. Those of you who have been following me for a long time know the story of the day that I fixed my printer by smashing it in a thousand pieces because that's just how frustrated I was with my business that day. <laughs> but everybody, everybody goes through hell. In fact, Winston Churchill would say, if you're in hell, keep going. I, I'm paraphrasing him, but his <laughs> idea was, if you find yourself in hell, just push through and get out of it as fast as possible. However, I think you have another way. So if you could tell us more about that, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny because when I say, um, you know, nine minutes a day, three minutes at a time, a lot of people are like, how do you even get centered? How do you even get focused in just three minutes? And I would probably have the same reaction, too, if I hadn't, developed three by three from the way that I did. Like I said in the beginning, it was like just physically impossible for me to sit still for longer than that. But what I have found, and I enjoy longer meditations now, you know, um, Oprah and Deepak Chopra re recently had like a 21-day, you know, and their, their meditations were between 15 and 20 minutes, and I enjoy them, but I always find right. that I have more um, – focus when I know that I'm only going to be going for three minutes. For me, that's just such a manageable amount of time. And in right. those three minutes a day, I've been able to have different kind of healings, like, you know, healing from addiction. I've lowered my cholesterol through the visualization I've done in those three minutes. I created my business largely because of the intuitive connections and answering I, answers I was getting when I would sit quietly and put my brain aside for those three minutes, three times a day. So it's all about just getting quiet on the inside. But what I, what I would advise for people, and this is how I, you know, kind of coach people, the power of three by three, the power of three minutes, three times a day, is that you're literally rewiring your brain, the neuropathways in your brain. I interviewed um, Dr. Bruce Lipton, who's a pretty, pretty well-renowned um, cell biologist when I wrote my book, you know, just to have a little bit of credibility in there and kind of a science perspective, like how on earth is this three minutes a day, you know, three minutes, three times a day thing 
even effective? Like, how can that even do anything? And when I asked him that question, he laughed and he said, actually, I think that's probably one of the more effective things you could be doing because we're always, when you think about it, when I say mind chatter, people are always like, oh, yeah, mind chatter. It's like our thoughts are thinking us, right? Like all the time we always yes. have constant thoughts going. You know, it's like, oh, i got to go to the grocery store. I forgot to pick up my kid. Oh, my gosh, the kids are coming on Saturday. You know, you've got this constant chatter going on in your mind. And when you take the time to interrupt that, kind of like our neural pathways, this is my analogy that I kind of made up, but I think of it as, you know how the Grand Canyon was formed? It wasn't formed all in one day or by a big explosion over thousands or millions or however many years, just drop by drop, water drop by water drop, you know, trickle by trickle, this deep, enormous canyon was formed. And I think about that as, you know, not a literal analogy, but just play with me here in the way our neural pathways are formed. You know, it's kind of just one thought after another, and we think so many thousands of thoughts a day, and if they're repetitive, they are really digging a big groove or canyon, you know, of our belief patterns and systems and subconscious thoughts and everything like that. And so what I learned from Bruce Lipton is that we're taking our thoughts out of that you know, old canyon, using my analogy, and putting it onto something new. And when you can do that three times a day, and at the end of the week you've done it 21 times, that's 21 new, you know, water drops onto your new neural pathway that you're building. So if all your thoughts were, I can't do this, I'm a failure, I'm never going to have enough money, those sorts of things, and three times a day you're able to interrupt that and even just have space around those thoughts, even if you're not thinking, you know, puppy dogs and rainbows type of, oh, I'm going to be a millionaire type <laughs> You know, even if you just break up and wonder, I wonder if it's possible to be different than it is now. I wonder what's possible for my life. That alone, just opening that up, you can feel the, you know, the release when you can let go of that old pattern of programming. And so the three times a day are important. It, I don't think it matters how long you do it. I think even 30 seconds is effective. People like a longer amount of time. But I always say multiple times a day is what works for me and the people that I coach because you're putting so much emphasis on you know, creating that new neural pathway. Meditation isn't something that you're just checking off the to-do list. You know, I worked out, I ate breakfast, you know, whatever, and I just do that once a day. This is a constant thing that I'm tapping into, this new way of thinking, this new thought patterning. And that can change the way that you believe about yourself. And when you change the way that you believe about yourself and you no longer have these self-deprecating thoughts of like, oh, I'm a failure, or oh, I'll never be able to do this, or I don't have enough time, and you get into that place of, I wonder if it's possible. That changes your whole entire vibe, first of all. It changes your attitude, but then it will also change because actions result when you believe something will work. If you don't believe something's going to work, why aren't would you try it if you start getting into the place of i wonder if this is possible you might start getting out there taking action making connections taking risks and small doses that sort of thing and getting results and moving forward and that's why the um you know the thought patterning as a meditation is so important as a foundation for whatever you want to build going forward and i always tell people too is when you're starting out on any new kind of meditation practice or even you know workout regime or diet or whatever you're doing I always tell because I used to be, I don't know if you're like this, Adam, but I used to be one of those New Year's resolution people, right? So December 31st, I've yeah. got a notebook out. I've got like 895 things, like what I'm going to do, right? Like I'm, I'm all excited. I'm ready for the fresh, clean slate, yeah. fresh start. Then like January 12th runs around and you're like, oh, uh, maybe I should join the gym. You know what I mean? Like there's no 
there's no compelling action. You have a lot of excitement over what you want to create, but I used to get myself so overwhelmed and perfectionistic about stuff that I never move forward with anything. And so to counteract that, what I tell people is to just take it seven days at a time. Like if, if you said, I'm going to join the gym and I'm just going to promise to go for these seven days. If you knew that at the end of seven days you could choose whether or not you want to keep doing this, you'd be more likely to commit to it. Seven days is like a manageable period. If you say, I want to start a meditation practice. I'm willing to do this three times a day thing, whatever, <laughs> or, you know, what, what resonates for different people. It's not for every, I don't pretend it's right for sure. anybody. But, um, you know, when you're taking on something new or a new behavior, new way of thinking, take it for seven days at a time. And I've, every single person that I know who's done this three-by-three three meditation and really played full out with it, really sat and you know, focused their mind or let go of their thoughts or, you know, whatever you're doing for those first seven days, every single person I know who's done that full out has had a shift in either the way that they're thinking, their stress level, the way that they're sleeping, their productivity, something has shifted at the end of seven days. And so after that, you're at a new vantage point. Okay, now I know how to quiet my mind. What do I want to do now? So it's like, oh, I want to create something business-wise, or I want to explore my passion, or I want to focus on my relationship with food or my relationship with my mom or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And you can, you know, I came up with a lot of these little games that you can play within the three by three designed around the results that you want to experience. So that's kind of a, I guess, quick and dirty way to get yourself started if you wanted to take something on, you know, like a practice like that. Well, I think what really jumped out at us is when we talk about what we mean by the word commitment, uh, to answer your question about the whole New Year's resolution thing, I kind of make fun of them. I think they're silly. It's <laughs> like, so all of a sudden there's something that's going to change because today's December 31st and tomorrow's January 1st. You're going to like suddenly become a new person. Or uh, <laughs> and, yeah. and one of my favorites of all time is when I see folks saying, well, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pig out and gorge out because after January I'm going to hit the gym, so I'm just going to enjoy it while it lasts. I'm thinking – well, you're going to pig out and gorge yourself on January 1st. You're going to do it on January 10th. You're going to do it on January 30th. In between, these, in between these dates, you're probably going to go to the gym. You're going to overexert yourself trying to catch up, and you'll hurt your muscles, and then you'll, uh, and then you'll comfort yourself by pigging out and gorging out because your muscles hurt, and uh, that will soothe it. Uh, that's probably what's really going to happen. So, <laughs> so I don't – Really makes them, and then and then uh, that, that's really my big question. When somebody says, "What's my resolution?" or whatever, I, I say, "Well, my only resolution is to you know to do what I'm doing now. There's really no difference between today and tomorrow. If I want to do something today, I'll do it today." And there's one other thing, and, and this kind of just jumped in my mind while listening to what you were saying, uh, Dina. Is yeah, for years in my life, and I think a lot of people find themselves in a situation as well where they find themselves being compelled by others to do things that maybe they don't necessarily in their heart really want to do. And sometimes it's big things, like, like let's say you're in business or what have you, and you join some mastermind, you join some coaching program, and everybody suddenly gangs up on you and gives you the challenge of the big thing that you have to do by the time of the next meeting 30 days from now. Has that ever happened to you? Mm, yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. Right. And when and when you just don't want to do it, it becomes a matter of what? You're not going to commit. Uh, uh, you know, you're actually going to get your best success right outside the comfort zone and all that. And the way I look at it is if I want to do something, I'll do it. If I don't want to do it, I won't do it. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's because I've been so far on the other side of the spectrum in my life before that, I mean, maybe it's just, you know, sheer resignation or what have you, or maybe I just find it's, it's happier. Or we find ourselves in situations where if we find that, uh, like, let's say you go somewhere, let's say you hang out someplace or what have you, and it doesn't really feel like people accept you there. Or you find that maybe you've been hanging out with a bunch of people for a long time and something shifts, you don't quite know what it is, but suddenly it seems like you're an outsider all of a sudden. I had this really happen, I had this happen to me once when I was in my MBA program where I was with this study group or like, you know, project group for one of my classes. And it's like something weird happened. And all of a sudden, it's like, you know, from one day to the next, it seemed like they didn't even like consider me human for some weird reason. I have no idea what it was. And <laughs> here's how I, I, I don't know. And but the thing is, is I decided, you know, I don't really care. I have to do this project and I don't have to see these people again. Or if I find myself in a situation or a place where it doesn't really feel like I belong or it doesn't really feel like I'm welcome now, I realize that there's absolutely no shame and no anything in just standing up and walking out. And the way I look at that is I got people lined up around the block and want me. (laughs) <laughs> Why am I going to exert energy on something, trying to force something when I can have it willingly right down the block? That, that's just that's just silly. It's ridiculous. And and I think that you know we're programmed so much that we have to resist and we have to fight things when really we don't. Mhm, mhm. I just love it. Don't you, have to fight. Yeah, yeah. I really like the the points, you know, kind of what you're making, because just because something has been a match to us, whether it be people or friends or relationship or a job, doesn't mean that that might be a match forevermore. You know, things change, people evolve, we change, we become matches to different things. And I know what you mean, too, about the mastermind and the accountability partner, And because I've gone in and out of mm-hmm. mastermind groups and accountability partners, and for a while they do serve me, because it puts a fire under me, maybe I was getting a little bit, you know, stagnant or you know, not doing what I wanted to be doing, and it puts a fire under me. I keep I keep accountable, and it gets me back on track. But I think it's so important. I never, ever, ever take action unless I'm in alignment with that action. If it feels like this is hard or I have to grit my teeth or this is something I just want to get over with, that means that my energy is not in alignment with doing it. Like I'll give you an example of when I started running, right? A couple of years ago, I decided yeah. that I wanted to run a 5K, and I never ran, like, around the block. I know I was not a runner. Right. I oh, I know. I know. Try it. Yeah. And so what I did was I used 3 by 3 before I even tied on my running shoes. I used 3 by 3 to just visualize myself running successfully around one block. That was it. And I did that exact visualization for almost two weeks. And after – Close to the end of the second week, I came out of my afternoon meditation and I was so inspired to run around that block that I had been picturing that I didn't even hesitate. I wasn't planning on it, but I put on my running shoes and I jogged, you know, slowly and safely around that one block and I just did it. So that's the difference between gritting your teeth and doing it anyway. That's the sheer willpower. That is sometimes good as a jump start. It'll get you started, but it's not sustainable in the long term. That's why. You know, what you were saying about New Year's resolutions and diets and, you know, workout regimes, that you're not in 
inspired to do that you're not inspired by, the work isn't to just grit your teeth and do it anyway type of thing. The work is to get internally into alignment with what you want to create, and then it's like a no-brainer. It's like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait to go running. Of course I go running. I love running. Or, of course I eat this way because I'm inspired to eat this way, and I love it. It's, you don't have that attitude of deprivation. It's all about getting the mindset in place before, you know, taking those actions. So, yeah, I can I can really relate to what you're you're sharing about all that. Yeah, yeah, I I mean it's been one of the things in my life as well, I mean, and I and I've faced it a lot in business where, and people sometimes do not believe what I say is they say you know you really should offer this or do this and I say no I shouldn't, <laughs> and they don't know how to respond to that because they're not used to the idea that somebody could just say, well, you know, I could live outside of my comfort zone, but today I don't want to. I'll find something else to live outside of my comfort zone on because I'm not really passionate about this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's true. It's true because even if people, the most well-meaning people giving you advice or even people that I have paid to coach me have given me perfectly legitimate advice that I haven't taken because it doesn't resonate with me on the inside. No one else can read my intuitive voice, my intuitive, my internal compass. No one else from the outside can read that. So, you know, it's, I don't think there's any, you know, it's great if people have an idea for me or advice or something like, thank you for sharing that with me, and I'll just consider it in meditation. If it resonates, maybe I'll follow it. If it doesn't resonate, I just leave it you know, thank you for sharing and, you know, leave it to the side because it's not, it has to resonate with me internally for me to take action on it. Right. See, my my style of coaching when it comes to the internet marketing arena is not that I want to tell people what to do and have them slavishly follow me step by step because that <laughs> what serves my business or what serves the case study that I use to demonstrate that this stuff really works may not serve their business. And I've had clients come and go who, you know, will, will be lashed onto a certain coach or a certain internet marketing hero that they follow. And they want to do their just like this other person because this other person's successful. So if I do it, I'll be successful too. Really? Yeah. And then and, yeah. and, 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 and I and I have a really interesting way of defeating this. And if the person is coachable, they'll respond the way that I would hope they would respond is I'll just simply ask, Really, how do you know they're successful? And they'll say, But the, but they're big, they've been on A B C or whatever and I can say, Well, uh, do you have a copy of their bank statement? And they'll say, Well, no. Okay, so how do you know they're successful? How do you know that uh, this guru who claimed that he did this thing with Facebook really made $350,000 over it? How do you know? And they don't know what to say. They pay uh, in most cases. Now, if they say, well, 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 he, well, he made $350,000 on Facebook and you didn't, so I'm going to listen to him, I say, fine, listen to him. They can't believe that one either because they think I'm going to fight tooth and nail for it. I'm really not going to fight tooth and nail for it. I have enough people beating down my door that want to work with me, that want me to help them with their businesses, that I don't really need to twist arms. And I think that's a great place to be. And, again, so often in life we see resistance, um, whether it's the resistance we're trying to push forward into something or resistance to something is trying to push back into us, and what I wonder is, and this is a little, you know, a little question I want to interject here, is, I mean, do we really think that it's necessary to resist in all cases? I mean, there are times when pushing forward with something or letting something push us back is a good thing. What, do, what are your thoughts on that? 
Well, I think it kind of goes back to being in that internal alignment, you know. And I, I like what you were saying, too, with what, you know, gurus have accomplished or people that seem to, you know, are where you want to be or seem to be where you want to be is I, it's funny because I rarely will ask those people, how did you get where you are? I ask them, what was the mindset you held that allowed you to get through? Because the how is going to be different for everybody. Marketing trends change, you know, sometimes, definitely yearly, sometimes monthly, all of that stuff. So the how is so much less important than the mindset that they held because that's where their inspired ideas came from. So I ask, you know, what was your, how did you get into that internal inspiration, intuition, in complete alignment with what, what you wanted to create? Because that's so much more the answer than the actual steps that they took, you know? Um, yeah, but I really, to answer your question about resistance, I will hardly ever, I can't name the last time that I took action in the face of resistance. If I'm feeling resistant, I put it to the side and I get into meditation or I work on something else that's inspiring me at that moment to get myself up to speed with, you know, getting done what I need to or, you know, want to get done that I'm just not up to speed with because that will come when you when you set it aside or just take a break from it or in the meditation like I was doing visualizing my running. It's like I'm just visualizing that this will be easy and effortless for me and it's going to be no big deal even though right now I'm resisting it like, you know, anything else. Right. So, yeah, yeah, that can be really, really powerful in the face of resistance. Right, and that has been one of the great gifts of my life. So, so Dina, we have uh, just five minutes left. And first of all, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. And I just want to make, on a personal note, when I first came up with the idea of doing the Business Creators Radio Show, which you know the original genesis of the idea was almost a year ago, is uh, I had created like a short list of people who I might be interested in having. And true story, your name was on that original list. Oh, reason, no way. I love it. Ser- ser- seriously, I, I, could, I could pull up the email. Your name is on the original list. And the original reason I had in mind is because I had it in the category of people that I wanted to bring on who I had watched their entrepreneurial evolution. And this was right around the time that Madly Chasing Peace was launched, just to give you an idea of the chronology. And I thought, wouldn't it be nice to have somebody on and tell their success story of how I did it? Then I investigated Madly Chasing Peace further, and I looked at some of the subject matter, and I realized that the real reason or maybe a primary reason I'd want to have you on is to deal with some of this mindset stuff because this is very important, Uh, you know, the mindsets and how we meditate and how we find our passion and purpose and how this impacts our business success and how it impacts our marketing success. And what ultimately hooked me to think that now's the time to have Dina on the show is when I realized if you're not really passionate about what you're doing, you're not going to be able to write good copy for it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I have, that is so true. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I have, I mean, I have many times in the past. I've been in the middle of writing a blog post for my site because uh, my coach at the time or so and so said you talk more about this, and I'd be halfway through writing it and I'd delete it, and and then they say, well, where where's your where are your blog posts? Where are your case studies? Where is this? Where is that? And I said, I don't want to. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. want to. I just, I, I, it, it doesn't interest me. I have other things I would rather do that would be more exciting for me. And that's kind of how I hit on the idea of doing the radio show originally because this is an easier way to create content. It's also a lot more fun. This is something that I look forward to. This is something that gets me out of bed in the morning that makes me mm-hmm. think, wow, it's Tuesday morning. I get to do the Business Creators Radio Show. Woohoo! <laughs> 
That's a lot of the same reasons I started my podcast, too. I totally, totally get it. It's so much fun to interact with with people and co-create together and just have fun and share in a way that people listening can benefit. It really is fun. Absolutely. So, so uh, you, know, you know, one minute here, just, you know, tell us how can people connect with you to get more information and assistance and learn more about this? Oh, yeah. So my website is madlychasingpeace.com, or you can, you know, type it in the search engine, madlychasingpeace.com. And there's all kind of information right. you can put in for your free email. It has like a three, a free, you know, guided meditation. I have them available for 99 cents. There's links to the book, to the podcast, to coaching, business coaching, personal coaching, all of that good stuff on there. Great, great. So, again, that's madlychasingpeace.com. And remember, for those of you listening, either on the live show or on the podcast, if you go to businesscreatorsradioshow.com, just find this episode, and you'll see that there is an author profile for Dina that contains links to her websites and her social media profiles and other such things. We like to help our guests get that level of exposure and make it very easy because the Business Creators Radio Show is all about helping people connect. So, Proctor, thank you so much for being on our show today. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Adam. This was awesome. I so appreciate it. You're welcome. And again, everybody, this is Adam Homie, host of Business Creators Radio Show. Make sure to check us out. Our website is www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. And also search for us and subscribe on iTunes. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care.